a reminder, those aren't all of our graduates. We still have some others that aren't there, but it's always fun to watch the pictures that are sent in and just be able to celebrate uh, with all of them. And 11 years ago, I preached my first sermon at First Christian Church in Derby as the graduate Sunday sermon. And now that Colton is here, my plan is for this to be my last grad Sunday sermon because he gets to do it from now on. Um, but I actually want to share that sermon that I did 11 years ago. Now, many of you weren't here, and some of you were, but if you remember all of the points, I would be amazed because I didn't, and I even preached the sermon. And so you have a fantastic memory if that's you. Um, but the sermon has a graduate theme, but the message is meant for everyone. And whether that's to be encouraged about what you are doing at this moment or your challenge to step up in a certain area or maybe even a realization that in some ways you're at a point in your life that some of these graduates are also at an exact same point, then God states in Isaiah 55 that his word will never come back empty, but it will accomplish what it is desired to do, what he wants it to do. And so my prayer is today that you will receive specifically what it is that you need to hear from him. And so, class of 2022, congratulations. There's probably a mixture of happiness and sadness and excitement and nervousness and maybe even feeling really tired from over the past few weeks. And that's not just you, it's your parents as well. Um, over the next few months, specifically the next few days, you're going to get bits of wisdom from people that want to help you with these next steps that are part of your life. And so what bits of wisdom are you going to hear this morning? Well, I want to take you back to elementary school and we're going to have story time, kind of. The book that we're looking at is by a great doctor. It is Dr. Seuss. And the book is called, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And so maybe you've heard this title before. Maybe you've heard it quoted. Maybe you've read it. Um, it's often one that is referred to around this graduation time period. But this book is the last one that Dr. Seuss wrote before he died in 1991. There were some other books that were released afterwards, but this was the last one that he wrote. And in reading some of his biography, or the biography sites about him, Many of his last books had specific messages that he was trying to convey. And it seems appropriate that he wanted to pin these words near the end of his life. In fact, in some ways, it's almost like Solomon, who at the end of his life writes the book of Ecclesiastes, kind of passing along his final wisdom to those who will listen. And so many of the points in this children's book are biblical. They come from the greatest book of all, God's Word. Now, since I want to make sure that we comply with online reading licenses and all that kind of stuff, I'm not going to read the book, but I am going to summarize it in case that you've never heard it before or in case it's been a while. And uh, in Dr. Seussian fashion, this is what the book says. It says, congratulations on beginning the next journey of your life, and you're going to do great things. The paths that you travel are the ones that you decide to go down. You will choose between the good ones and the bad ones. And wherever you go, things will start to happen. Oh, the places you'll go. and They will be great. But sometimes there will be hard times and they may last a while. Or there may be periods of waiting or you may feel alone but you don't have to stay in those spots. You can choose to move forward even when it's hard. Face your problems and watch what happens. You will be great 
And so your journey awaits. Get started today. So that's what the whole book is summarized just in a few sentences. And within the message of that book, I want to point out five words of wisdom about living life. And then I want to point out two more that are not in this book. And so the first is this. There is a beginning. There is a beginning. There's a time to head out. There's a time that you have prepared for that is about to happen. And Dr. Seuss, his exact words are, this is the day. You're off. You have brains in your head and feet in your shoes And now you get to choose for yourself. It says, on your own. In the Bible, it talks about times of beginning as well, or moments to head out. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's all sorts of scriptures we're going to look at today, but this is probably the biggest chunk. But there's a beginning of earth and time that we read about in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. We read about the beginning of marriage in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, that talks about leaving your father and your mother and being united to your spouse. Over and over in the New Testament, we read about this beginning of a new life that is given through Christ Jesus, that the old is gone and the new has come, and we're baptized into this new life. And then in Ecclesiastes 3, um, we see that there's a time for everything. There's all these seasons in life. And so starting in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, There's a time for everything, and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to mend, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And there are all these different seasons. And so there is a time to step out from under your parents' safety net and begin living life. And that doesn't mean that you're abandoning your parents, but you're beginning this new stage where things are going to be different. Your parents, your teachers, your coaches have been teaching you about life so that you can be prepared for this moment and the moments to come. And when it comes to your faith in God, I pray that your parents and the church, that we have adequately prepared you for this next step and that you'll be able to keep the faith. And I hope that you've taken advantage of the opportunities that have been given to you and that you've listened well. In fact, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you've become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so you as upcoming graduates are now starting this new section of life. The foundation has been built, but it's not complete. And you're now going to build upon that. And maybe you're excited or scared or happy or sad that we talked about before, but your time has come. And though your first beginning was approximately 18 years ago, you're about to have a new beginning. And so Dr. Seuss says, this is the day you're off. There is a beginning. The second point I want to make today is that you will make decisions. No longer will others choose for you. You really will make your own choices. Good, bad, 
it's up to you. And so Sue says, you choose where to go. Some streets you will say, I choose not to go there. And if you don't like any of the choices, head straight out of town and be sure to step with great care and great tact. And the Bible also speaks about making decisions and gives some advice on how to do that properly. And so here's just a couple verses. In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 through 27, it says, look, or Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left and keep your foot from evil. In Joshua chapter 24 about choices, it says this, If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so from the stepping out point, you really do begin to make a lot more of your own choices. Even if your parents gave you a lot of freedom, that grows as you move out. And your choices about which paths you will go down and where you will go and what you will do, well, they're up to you. And so look at the choices or, and the consequences, the good and the bad consequences that come, and then choose. Make your decision. And one of those main choices is whether you're going to love God and really serve Him or not. And so will you listen to those who say, well, there's, there's no God, or will you choose to stand strong for your, for your faith? Will you let your life show that you're a Christian, or will it only be lip service? Will your church activity be as one who serves or will you just take in sermons every week sitting in the same chair? You know, after graduation, you decide whether you will serve the Lord or not. And once you leave, you can't live on your parents' faith alone anymore. And part of the foundation that you have in your lives is for your own faith. And you'll choose, is it fully going to be mine? Am I going to even attempt to still live on my parents' faith? Or am I throwing in the towel? God will not make the choice for you. Like even from the Garden of Eden in Genesis, he did not force his way upon anyone. And the truth is, it is your choice. And so Seuss says, you will choose which way you will go. And so remember, you will make decisions. The third point is this, good things will happen to you. Good things will happen to you. You know, because of who you are, because of the time that you invest, good things are going to happen. Again, those consequences to the choices. And Sue says, when things start to happen, you'll start happening too. You'll soar to high heights. He says, you'll be the best of the best. And so the Bible speaks of good things happening too. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so when you sow the good seeds, they often come back. Proverbs 14, 23 says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Or in Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and they'll bring you prosperity. A hard work ethic will bring about rewards. Again, those consequences to choices, good choices of what you're doing, of where you're going, will bring in good returns. 
And I know sometimes you'll hear the word karma, that people talk about it, and I understand where they're coming from. But as you look at Scripture, the Bible shows that life often operates on consequences of choices and actions. Now, the Bible also talks about the good that comes from the choice of choosing to serve Him. Things like peace and joy and blessings and even adventure. Like truly following God is not boring. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who have this idea that living for God means, well, I go to church, but that's about it. And much of your life will be spent in the good times. And so enjoy them and remember to thank God for them, but also be careful because it's often in those times that we forget how much we need God. We can sometimes become prideful and even go, look at what I've done, look at what I've accomplished, and we forget that we need Him in every moment. So enjoy those great times of life. And Sue says, you will soar to high heights. And remember that good things will happen to you. But the fourth point is this. There will be tough times too. There will be tough times too. There will be these times when things do not go as you had planned. And Sue says, you know, when you're leading or you're being the best of the best, he says, except when you don't, because sometimes you won't said bang-ups and hang-ups, they can happen to you. He says, your gang will fly on. You'll be in a slump. You're not in for much fun. He even says, it's simple, or simple it's not for a mind-maker-upper to make up his mind. said, there will be times you can get so confused, or maybe you're even headed towards this most useless place. Like, it's important to understand that there will be difficult times in your future ahead. Because we're lying to ourselves if we say, nah, that's not going to happen to me. We're setting ourselves up for disappointments. And I hate it when even people say, all you need to do is choose Jesus, and then your life will be no problems at all. Because Jesus never, ever said that. In fact, the Bible says things like this in Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or in John 16, I have told you these things so that you may have peace, but in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Or even in Matthew 5, 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And as I read all those things, I see that people persecuted Jesus and they will persecute you also. And realize that sometimes the troubles in life are not connected to the fact that you're a Christian. It's maybe difficult money times or job difficulties or maybe there's a coworker or a neighbor or a roommate and they're just really frustrating. Or maybe you're in a situation where you have a family member or a friend is either sick or they pass away or something that you tried has failed. And there will be difficult times in life. You see, once sin entered into the world, it wasn't just perfect anymore. And during those difficult times, there will be periods of waiting. The Dr. Seuss says you go to this waiting place where people are waiting for transportation or for weather. They're waiting for an answer or they're waiting for a person. Maybe they're waiting for another chance or another day, but people are just waiting and lots of people wait to see what happens or they're waiting for something good to come their way. But God doesn't just want us to sit around and do nothing while we're waiting because that's just laziness. And there will be times of being still and waiting. But during those, we're called to worship. We're called to be faithful in those moments. 
But even as we talk about that word waiting and you hear it, it doesn't just conjure up good things. Usually we're like, ah, but those are times that are not very easy or they can be painful. Sometimes if we're hopeful, there can be some peace in it, but we're called to be obedient in those times and listen to Him. Do not do nothing. Like, don't just sit there and expect things to come. Like it is true God wants us to wait on His timing because He will accomplish what He wants, when He wants, and how He wants to do it. You go to Scripture, and there are a lot of times that people are waiting for God's time, and sometimes it is a long amount of time. Even though it's one chapter to the next, there are like years that go by as they're waiting for God to work. And so keep living for Him as you're going through whatever waiting period it is that you may encounter. And sometimes, maybe you'll feel like you are waiting forever, especially if it's one of those really difficult circumstances. But do realize this, that your whole life will not be spent in that waiting place. Also, as we're talking about tough times, it's also, you know, prudent that we talk about that you may feel alone. Like every person in this room at some point has felt alone. And Seuss says, sometimes you'll play lonely games too, games you can't win. You're all alone, whether you like it or not. There's a good chance you'll meet things that scare you, or there will be times that you just don't want to go on. And there are moments that we all feel alone, where we feel like no one else knows what we're going through, or no one else can even relate to what we're going through. Even with lots of people around us, we can still feel lonely. And in the Bible, there are certain times that we see people feeling completely alone as well. I mean, some of the Psalms are written when the author is writing out to God that I feel abandoned by other people. And God, even in this moment, are you really there? Are you listening to my voice. Some of the epistles in the New Testament were written from prisons where often people felt alone. I think about even being in the belly of a big fish for three days, that's pretty lonely as well. And there are going to be tough times that they can feel awfully lonely or they can feel awfully long. And so it's important for us to remember that. And Sue says, bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. And we need to remember that there will be tough times, but we don't leave it there. Because the fifth point is this, that we should push through to the end. Push through to the end. Sue says, waiting is not for you. And somehow you'll escape. You'll find the bright places. You'll face up to your problems, whatever they are. And once more, you'll ride high. Oh, the places you'll go. And so don't let the difficult times defeat you, but push through them, making the best of the situations. If you've fallen down and you need to step back up, then do it. The Bible says this about endurance, about pushing through. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, it develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and you may be complete, not lacking anything. Or in Philippians chapter 3, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so endure, push through those difficult times. Do not give up. Don't throw in the towel, though it may be the easy thing to do at the moment. But very few people look back and they're glad that they quit something simply because it was hard. During those difficult times, look for what is it that I can learn and understand that maybe God is molding you during those times. Even if he's not the one that caused the difficult time, maybe he's using it to mold you. Because it's not just when things are fun that we can learn something. In fact, sometimes the lessons we learn the most are through those difficult moments, those failures, because we don't want to endure them again if we don't have to. And so focus on Jesus to help you get through those struggles. Focusing on the main thing really does help you from wandering to the left or the right, off the path, like we talked about a while ago. So sometimes, not always, sometimes the struggles that you're facing are because of sin in your life, and you need to get rid of those. Sometimes the struggles are there just because of bad decisions that we've made, and we need to right those paths and then endure those difficult times because it will be worth it when you're on the other side. The blessings from enduring that we experience on this earth, they're not all just someday in heaven. And plus, as you endure those things, God will use you to help other people who are experiencing similar situations. So when you feel like giving up, push through, and you will be glad that you did. And if the endurance is tied in with being a Christian, well, you'll be eternally grateful. Sue says, find the bright places, and once more, you'll ride high. So remember to push through to the end. So super short summary of Seuss's words, step out, choose, good and bad times, and endure. And those are all very biblical, but I don't want to stop there. If I did, I feel like I'd miss out on two of the most important things to pass along. And so the sixth word of wisdom is this. It is important to surround yourself with wise, godly people. Surround yourself with wise, godly people. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Or Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Or Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Or back in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see, you don't have to go on this journey of life alone. You need to surround yourself with wise counsel and ask advice. Oftentimes, people from the outside can see things that you can't when you're in the middle of a situation. Wise counsel. That could be friends, family, maybe it's mentors, people in the church, people who have already gone through what you've gone through. Ask them for help. And then actually listen. Listen to what they have to say. Don't ignore them thinking they don't have any clue. Maybe someday, should you choose to get married, your spouse is someone that can really help you, and you can help them with this well. So choose your spouse well. And finding people that are really there to help you through these difficult times is really important. Don't just get people who will go with the flow, who will never confront you, 
maybe people who have their own agendas or people who are just simply using you as long as it's convenient. In fact, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, he listened to his peers and who wanted power instead of listening to his father's advisors in the kingdom of Israel ended up splitting. You see, a primary purpose of the church is to help other people through life on earth. And so ask and teach and confide and confess, rejoice and cry, be yourself. Don't feel like you have to wear a mask or put on some kind of act as you walk through the doors. Don't attempt to take this journey all by yourself. Surround yourself with wise, godly people. And so the final but most important word of wisdom is this, that life is ultimately about living for God. Like We are all on this planet for a purpose. And in Genesis 1, we read how God made man and woman in His image. He created us. We're not here by mistake. We aren't some accident. But God created us the way that He wanted us, wanting us to be in a relationship with Him. And that's our purpose to love God as He loves us. And logic would tell us that if we were created for a purpose, we ought to fulfill that purpose. However, because of sin that is in our lives, you and I, we cannot be in perfect harmony with God. Now, when I say cannot, I mean that there is nothing that we can do or say to earn His love or be deemed good enough. But even being sinners, God loved mankind, and so He sent His Son so that a way could be made, so that the relationship could be restored. And living this life in honor of a God who created us and then paid the punishment so that we could live life, like that's what it's all about. And you can list off all the great things, all the great accomplishments in life, but if you're not living for Him, then we miss it. We miss it. And one of God's greatest promises is that he will be with those who choose him every step of life. In Matthew 28, 20, he says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And for those of us who choose to be called his children, he is always with us. And for those of you who have never made that decision, you might still be amazed one day when you look back in your life and you see how God has been involved even if you don't admit it right now, because God is with you. And so all these years, while you've been building this foundation of your life, God was with you. And now while you're taking these new beginning steps, God is with you. And through the good times, God is with you, rejoicing alongside of you. During the difficult times, God is with you, holding you tight. When you're lonely, God is with you, saying, I understand how you feel. When you are waiting on his timing, God is faithfully with you. As you endure, God is right there with you, cheering you on and giving you strength to take the next step. And so never forget this truth. It's not an opinion, not a religious crutch, not some feel-good bedtime story, but God is always with you. That is the most important bit of truth from this entire sermon, that life is all about living for him. And so enjoy this journey. It's going to be different than everybody else's. The places you will go will be part of making you who you are. There's going to be some amazingly great times and some tough ones when you wonder, man, when is this going to end? But God will be with you every step of the way. And so don't be afraid to lead or to go wherever he leads. And you may not know how everything is going to work out, but you do know the one that will help you through it. 
And if you fully do what he wants you to do, let me tell you, oh, the places you'll go. Oh, the things that you will witness. And oh, the amazing stories that you will be part of. But it's all up to you. It's your choice. So let me just ask this question, because there's a lot of people in here that are not a graduate. Are you in maybe a good moment? Are you enduring a difficult time? Do you feel lonely? Do you feel like you've been maybe in a waiting place right now for a really long time? If you're to step back, are you in the process of making good choices, or maybe are there some poor ones that you're dealing with? Maybe you've recently begun your journey with God. And if you're in the, one of those good times, then praise Him for it and help those who are struggling right now. If you're in one of the difficult times, surround yourself with people who care about you and will speak truth into you and persevere knowing that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And if you've never begun your walk with God as part of His family, then maybe even as we're talking, you can kind of look back and see that God has been building a foundation in your life. But you've never said, I want to give my life to him. I've never been obedient in baptism. But yet today you're like, I see it. And you want God's love. You want his strength to be able to make it through some of those times. And maybe today is your new beginning. And maybe that is. And so I know that what we're talking about is real life. And it's not just a children's story. But for those who love God, I've read the end of the book. And it says something like this. And they lived happily ever after. And so every week we have a time of invitation. And if today is the day that you want that new beginning, you want Jesus in your life, you want to follow him, then I encourage you to make your way to one of these decision points during this song. Maybe you're in one of those difficult spots in life and you're like, I feel like I've been doing this myself and I want someone to pray with. Then we encourage you to go back there during this time as well. Or if you're online, chat with Sam. But our lives, we want to take one step at a time following after God, and as we do that, oh, the places that he will take us. Will you guys stand as we sing?